What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? The average career in Major League Baseball lasts 5.8 years. It's 4.6 years in the NBA and just 3.3 years in the NFL. Now, different studies may have slightly different numbers, but the conclusion is the same. Professional playing careers are relatively short, which places a premium on athletes making specific plans for the future. Today's guest, Fatima Gilliam, is the founder and CEO of the Azara Group, a consulting firm that assists professional athletes make smooth transitions into a career and life after sports. Fatima joins us to share certain strategies and tips athletes can and should employ now to prepare for the days when their playing careers come to an end. It's a valuable conversation you won't want to miss, and it's coming up next on Sports 360. It's my pleasure to welcome to Sports 360 today, Fatima Gilliam. Fatima is the founder and CEO of the Azara Group, a consulting firm that provides leadership development, negotiation, and strategy consulting services to both institutions and individuals, including professional and former professional athletes. Fatima, welcome to Sports 360. How are you today? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we're able to have a few minutes today to talk about what I believe is an important topic for athletes and former athletes and those who represent them, and and that is career transition. We're going to be talking about that today. But before jumping into that, uh, Fatima, uh, I, I mentioned real briefly your company, the Azara Group, and some of the services it provides, but why don't we start by you sharing with us a little bit about yourself and about your company? Okay. Well, um, just on a you know personal level, I, I grew up in California, played a lot of sports, and moved to the East Coast, which is where I am now, to go to college. Um, so I did my undergrad. I went to Wellesley College. Then I got my master in public policy at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard and then moved to New York City, which is where I am now, to go to Columbia Law School. So I started my career as a corporate attorney on Wall Street. I worked for Cleary Gottlieb, Stan and Hamilton, and then decided to stop practicing law um, and uh, went to Citigroup. And for Citi, I oversaw all of its diversity recruiting for its U.S. businesses and then moved into the public sector. Uh, given my background at the Kennedy School, I wanted to scratch my public sector itch and worked for the United Nations for the World Food Program and was the head of finance and fundraising for North America before starting my company, which I did about five years ago. And I'm you know, very excited to do it. I, I started my own business because I knew I had a broad skill set that I could leverage to help my clients succeed. And over the years, you know, I saw my clients and colleagues really struggle at knowing how to effectively get what they want, not just for their careers, but also for their businesses. So uh, I started my company to just be helpful um, to use my skills. So in terms of what my company does, as you were saying, Jeff, you know, it's a consulting firm 
that provides uh, leadership development and strategy consulting services. I work with um, professionals in the sports industry. I also work with Fortune 500 companies and private clients. And on the sports side, it's really about, you know, specializing and developing athletes and sports industry professionals' expertise and facilitating smooth transitions through all of their career uh, stages. I've served as a trusted advisor by providing strategic career and leadership expertise to sustain my client's success while they're in the game and beyond. Um, so I've worked with head coaches, uh, professional athletes, universities, and organizations. Uh, so that's just a quick, you know, um, uh, bit of what I do. You know, I, I come up with ideas and strategies also on a macro level for organizations, you know, helping them develop programs and initiatives. Um, and I find innovative and strategic ways to help people and organizations get what they want. So there you go. A quick summary. Yeah. And, and a very impressive summary as well. And, you know, you, you mentioned, among other things, helping athletes and others make smooth transitions. And you said, you know, throughout the course of their career. And we're going to talk today about making a smooth transition after playing days are over for professional athletes and former professional athletes. Now, I refer to that as career transition. Um, and others may refer to that as something else. But if we were to talk about it in terms of career transition in the context of professional athletes, some may know what that means. Others may have no idea. What is career transition for athletes and professional athletes? When we say that, what are we talking about? What we're talking about, Jeff, is how people, you know, athletes successfully move through various stages and phases in their careers, right? So how they move from either high school to college um, into professional sports and then how they transition um, while they're playing, uh, you know, they're going to be at different peaks and valleys when they're at their peak of their career and when they're starting to leave and prepared to leave. And then it's also about when someone is retiring or they're retired, uh, you know, that smooth transition in terms of what are they going to be doing after they retire for whatever career they choose to pursue outside of being a professional athlete. And ideally, you want to see people, uh, you want to see professional athletes minimize the time that they spend struggling and determining who they are when they're not a ball player and what career path works for them. You know, often it's really the first few years right after retirement that can be the most critical. That's when people make some financial decisions that can have really lasting negative impact. Um, that's when they struggle in their marriages and also with some mental health issues. Um, and they have a hard time in that transition phase going from pro to, you know, to retirement um, of sorting out what's the best career path for them. And so how, in, in, in the context, again, of, of, de of thinking about career transition, what should athletes or their representatives be thinking about and when, you know, um, because I, obviously for athletes, as you said, you know, from high school to college and, and many times their involvement in sports goes back to little league or pop one or whatever. And so you have these young men and young women who have been playing sports their whole lives and that's what they're focused on. Um, how, how, or what would you say to an athlete in terms of when they should begin thinking about career transition? Because I can imagine just trying to build their career is paramount in their mind. Well, 
in all honesty, they really should be thinking about their career transition from when they're not going to be, you know, a professional athlete while they're still playing. And that's really difficult for people because a lot of times they think, well, if I start thinking about my post-playing career, then I'm not giving 100% to the game. And and I think that's a really unfortunate view to take because then they're not teeing themselves up for lasting financial and professional success. Um, you know, when you look at some of the players that have been really successful, and some of them are big names, when you think of, you know, the, uh, you know, the Kobe Bryants or the, um, you know, Magic Johnsons or Derek Jeter's out there, they were laying the foundation for for what they were going to be doing after they play while they were still playing. Because the reality is, is once you're not a professional athlete anymore, people aren't going to necessarily be returning your phone calls. You know, your entourage and your posse may have disappeared. Um, you know, people are struggling to figure out what they should be doing professionally. And so it's really while they're still in the game that they should be developing networks, they should be reaching out to people, they should be, um, you know, taking advantage of the various programs that unions and leagues may have out there for them to develop their skills or get additional educational training. Those are the types of things that they should be doing and understanding that while they are playing, um, you know, looking at these other things, it's really not about not keeping their eye on being an, a, a successful player on the field or the court. It's really about leveraging the access, the opportunities, the relationships, the network that people have that will not necessarily continue once they retire. So, Fatima, if I'm if I'm an athlete or an agent or an athlete representative, and I'm hearing you, you know, give that explanation and and, and share that information. What what would be some of the things that I would do? Let's say I'm a representative. If I mm-hmm. wanted to reach out to you, you know, take me through sort of what would be your response if I say I am interested in in you know making sure that I'm positioning myself to make a a successful transition after my playing days are over. What would be some of the things we would begin to explore? Well, you know, one of the things that we would explore is the mindset that the person has with this approach. You know, a lot of times, let's just be honest, let's keep it real. Uh, professional athletes are accustomed to things coming to them, opportunities flowing in the direction towards them. And, you know, there might be a little bit of arrogance that, that comes with that, but not recognizing to develop some of the networks that people need that they may have to go after uh, certain relationships themselves, that when someone invites them to an event, which could be an interesting networking opportunity, you know, going and showing up, they may not and should not always expect to be paid to show up. So the first thing is really trying to see where are they with their mindset with this approach, um, also trying to gauge where are they with their own understanding of what's interesting for them, you know, what what kind of career paths have, have they considered, uh, understanding what sort of skill set they may have or what skill set gaps they may have, um, how far along they went with their education. Did they go to college? Did they finish college? What did they study? Um, and where are they in their career? You know, do they expect that they're going to be playing for a few more years or are they really at the, at the tail end? So those are the, some of the conversations that would be had. And then depending on what sport they're in, 
um, you know, what league they're in and the union, um, there are different opportunities that are already out there that they can tap into. You know, um, there are opportunities to get an education in the off season. Maybe, you know, like for example, there might be a broadcaster boot camp or boot camp around starting a franchise um, that their union may provide. And so I would also gear them towards and direct them towards some opportunities that are already out there and how they can leverage those. Um, and, and then it's also around, you know, developing a plan and a strategy. And sometimes that plan and strategy means learning how to say no to people, right? I mean, people come to them all the time uh, with their uh, with their various business ideas. It could be a relative. It could be a friend. Um, it could be a contact. And some of them just are really bad ideas, just to put it frankly. Hmm. And learning right. how to effectively say, no, cousin so-and-so, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fund your restaurant idea when you haven't even worked in a restaurant before, you know, and and how can you have those conversations, but not feel like you ruined the relationship as a result of that. Right. So the things that I'm interested in is I want people to be successful and financially independent through a long time in their life. You know, these are young people who have a really high earning potential at a very young age that may not Mm -hmm. be replicated 5, 10, 20, 40 years down the road. They may be retired by the time that they're 30, and they may have 35, 40 more years of working to do out there. Um, And so I'm thinking big picture. I'm thinking long term um, for their success. And so the advice that I'm going to give somebody like that is really with that in mind and also thinking about, you know, who are they surrounding themselves with? Are they surrounding themselves with people who are on the upswing? Or are they surrounding them with people who are pulling them down? Um, so, you know, I have difficult conversations with people. I'm not about telling people what they want to hear. I'm more about telling people what they need to hear because I'm at the end of the day, I always have their best interest in mind. You know, some would think that with some of the horror stories that have been widely reported, of athletes who have encountered difficulty once the playing days are over because of bad investments, mismanagement of money or other reasons, then that would be sufficient to get the attention of, of most, if not all athletes as they're coming along and say, I don't want to end up there. And yet uh, you, you mentioned earlier on in your last comments that sometimes you come across some either arrogance or some hesitancy to, to begin looking into, um, you know, making that transition. Um, some of these horror stories, I mean, why, why do you think they, they do not resonate uh, perhaps the way they should? You know, Jeff, the, one of the reasons why I don't think it resonates is because you're talking about a population that has been told that they can beat the odds since, uh, you know, since they were extremely young and they've been successful at beating the odds. You know, if you look at someone who's in high school that then goes into college, you know, and they may accept an athletic scholarship, they think that they are going to be the one that's drafted into whatever sport they're pursuing, when in reality, they may only have a 1% chance of making it pro. But then they did make it pro, right? And so mm-hmm. they they see that they can beat the odds. And so a lot of them think that this money train is never going to disappear. 
that they think that they're still going to be, you know, playing the game well past what the average is. They think that they're going to be the outlier, that they are not going to be in the hump of the bell curve. And the reality is most of them um, have to face a very rude awakening at some point. And, and as a result, they don't make some of the best choices along the way and, and don't think that this is something that they need to focus on because they have proof in the fact that they have not been um, the average, that they have exceeded the average. Hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, now, you also mentioned something that is interesting as well. And you said, you know, these athletes have very, you know, high earning potential, but it doesn't last that long, right? Maybe by 30 years old or sometimes even younger, they may find themselves no longer playing the game. And that's a sobering thought when you think about it, right? That there's a lot of living left to do. And yet here these athletes find themselves many times with, if they didn't take certain steps, no real skill sets other than being able to play the game that they played. Um, and, and I believe that's something that, you know, I, I believe it's hard to to get through to an athlete as well, that at some point, you know, all the cheering is going to stop. Um, how do you help athletes deal with that when they find themselves, you know, at 30, 31 years old, still young by normal standards or societal standards, but old by, you know, the, the standards in sports? How do you help them deal with that? I can imagine that's got to be tough for some. It's exceptionally challenging, you know, for many to accept and face some realities. I mean, even on the financial level, right? If we're talking about people who have exceptionally high earning potential and have earned significant money early in their career, and then they end up mismanaging it. Um, you know, we're talking about people who have CEO level money, but they don't have this CEO level skill set in knowing how to manage that money. You know, if somebody is the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, they're not 20, you, you know, 20 something years old usually when that happens, unless they happen to be the, you know, the random uh, startup tech person, which is becoming increasingly rare. Um, uh, you know, the typical CEO with millions of dollars in annual income is, you know, 50 something years old and has, uh, has had a lifetime to earn money and maybe make some mistakes along the way. Um, but to your question, you know, when someone is struggling, you know, I give people advice, but I also recognize that some people also need therapy through this. And, and I'm not a therapist. I will mm. give people advice along the way, but there are some emotional challenges that people are facing. They're struggling with trying to understand who are they, right? If since from a very young age, they were in little league or they're, you know, playing football, basketball, and that was what their identity was. That is how they define themselves. Um, then, you know, without their sport, they, they flounder in trying to understand, like, who are they? And so some people are saying, you know, you need to get some, you need to get some therapy. You know, I mean, mm. I, when, uh, you know, there's some, you know, statistics out there, um, that I'll, I'm happy to share with you that come from a couple of different sources, you know, in terms of, uh, football players in particular, you know, one statistics is, is that 61% of former NFL players found it difficult to adjust to daily life after retiring from the game. Um, and, and then at the same time, 70% of former NFL players say that developmental programs um, would benefit uh, their leadership potential. 
um, 85% of former NFL players said that they didn't believe that the NFL adequately prepared them for their transition to life after football. Um, so you can see that the players, you know, once they're out, then they realize, oh, wow, you know, once they've retired, uh, they, they see how difficult it is. Um, and they, and they struggle. You know, it's a very traumatizing experience for some of them. It's not just about the, uh, financial impact on their bank accounts. Uh, there's also impact on their marriages and the relationships that they have. And even people who were very successful as, uh, athletes, um, find the transition hard. So, you know, I'll share with you, um, a quote from Chauncey Billups, who played basketball for a number of years and, you know, works as an ESPN analyst. And a quote from him, you know, that I read is he said, you know, we've put every single thing that we have, not only mentally, but physically and emotionally into the game. And then one day it's over. You go from being a very old dude at 37 in my sport to one day, to the one day that you retire. And then you go back to being a young dude with no real experience uh, anywhere else. You right. can become lost and you can feel it. You can feel it if you're not prepared for that. So that's what Chauncey Billups said. Um, and then I'll share this other quote um, from John Switzer, who played baseball. Um, and he said, what I've discovered is that although we have a great skill set to go uh, out into the real world and do things, it's hard to prove that to an employer with no actual work experience and nothing on a resume other than I threw a ball around. Hmm. So I, I, sh I share those to say that, um, you know, people who played and they dedicated themselves to their sport, you know, they find it challenging in terms of figuring out what career to do, but there's also an emotional component. And so I know that was a long answer to your question, which is I give people advice around their careers, but I also recognize if there are other things that need some uh, tooling along the way that they may need to talk to somebody um, because there are going to be mental health issues. They may also need to get some education and then I may encourage them to, to pursue whatever opportunities are out there as well so that they can position themselves for the career path that they think is best suited for them. Yeah, there's a lot there, but all of it is is really interesting and compelling on a lot of levels, right? Um, because that, you know, the comments uh, that that Chauncey and and the other player made really strikes home, right? Because you know, you go from you can go from being a very experienced athlete and looked upon as a veteran influence in your particular sport at 35, 36, 37 years of age, and then you transition into the real world. And now you're looked upon almost as a neophyte, right? Someone who has no experience, um, you know, for for the real world. But you, you, you mentioned something about 85%. I think you said 85% of NFL players did not believe that the league did enough to adequately prepare them for life after sports. There's a presumption sort of in there, right? That the league has a responsibility to do something. And and we might as well put the union in it as well. What are your thoughts on, on that score? To the extent there is a presumption in that statement, right? What role, if any, should the league and or the Players Association have when it comes to career transition for these athletes? 
I really believe that leagues and unions need to do more to support the transitions of the athletes, not just once they stop playing, but at multiple phases in, in their career. When they're coming into the league, they need to have more programming to help them through that transition. Uh, while they're still playing, there also need to be things along the way. And then as they're transitioning out, um, you know, you could easily just say, well, people need to take responsibility for themselves and it really should be up to them. But if we look at what the aftermath is for a lot of these people, um, there, there's a need for, uh, for more effective, uh, career transitions. And, and the leagues and the unions can be driving that. So I'll, I'll share some other statistics with you. Um, you know, sometimes people agree with these stats, sometimes they don't, but there's very limited statistics out there. So I'm going to share what I, I have found, which is in the NBA, you know, 60% go bankrupt within five years of retiring. With baseball, you know, baseball players that retire, they're four times more likely than the average person to file for bankruptcy. And in the NFL, um, you know, there's 78% uh, are bankrupt or financially distressed within two years of retiring. Some people don't like that NFL stat, but there's also from the Sports Illustrated uh, from 2009, but there's also a statistic from the National Bureau of Economic Research in 2015 that says um, retired NFL players, um, 12 years out of retirement are 15.7%, uh, you know, of them are going bankrupt, one out of six. And the likelihood of their bankruptcy is three times compared to the general, uh, three times greater compared to the general population. So when you see statistics like that, to me, it signals that unions and leagues should be doing more. It doesn't reflect positively on their brand. Um, if they're not doing more, there there are efforts out there. So I don't want to say that leagues and unions aren't doing anything, but a lot of them seem to be ad hoc sometimes. Um, and and maybe they're just for small cohorts and clusters of, of people and they're not universal for everyone. Um, and then, uh, you know, you arguably sometimes you'll say you'll see that, the you know, the league thinks that it's the union's job to drive this or maybe the union is looking to the league to give funding for this. Right. Because the teams and the leagues are the ones with the deeper pockets. Um, but what I will say is that, uh, you know, what I would like to see is that more effective career transition programs become a part of the collective bargaining agreement. You know, so that you know that there's going to be an ongoing revenue stream to support these kinds of efforts. Um, and I also think, you know, that statistic where, you know, 85% of the NFL players felt like the league wasn't doing enough also says that they're expecting more. And over time, unions and leagues need to evolve. They need to add more value for their members. Uh, they need to add more value for the, for the players as they increasingly expect more and want more and demand more, and that we shouldn't just be stagnant and stale over time, that we should evolve. And why do you, why do you believe that we have not seen as of, as of this date provisions in a CBA or in the CBAs that deal with this? I think that's an excellent point, right? Because you're going to need some, ongoing revenue to support any kind right. of somebody's got to pay for program. it. <laughs> right. right. Somebody's got to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. Right. So 
Um, why do you th- why do you think that we haven't seen that? Uh, because the league certainly and the unions, to varying degrees, will be aware of some of the statistics you just mentioned, and some of the more high profile stories out there of athletes who did not make a successful or seamless transition after their playing days were over. So why do you think that this hasn't been something that has made its way onto the bargaining table? Well, I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think that there are a whole lot of other, a whole lot of other things that are on the bargaining table. And, you know, there are priorities. Is this uh, more important than what might be in a pension or uh, for lasting um, health benefits or dealing with people with lasting lifelong injuries or, you know, whether there should be salary caps or not. I mean, there are a ton of things that are being negotiated. And so this one tends to be a lower priority. Uh, it also depends on how the the uh, the membership in the union is as well. I mean, you've got for some sports, their uh, their membership includes retired players as part of the union. So therefore, they may have more leverage and bargaining power for the retired players compared to others where it's just the active players. Um, so I think that's that's part of it. And then this has also been an issue that's become more important uh, over time and more recently. So if you consider the amount of time, you know, the years that lag between the next CBA, uh, in that time, this has become more interesting, more important, but it wasn't something that was on people's radar to the same degree, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Hmm. Well, Fatima, if you could um, right now speak to an agent, because, you know, many athletes are going to be focused on you know, just being the best player that they can be and and making the team, staying on the team, continuing to have success at the game. But if you were to be able to talk to an agent for uh, for these athletes, what would be some of the things that you would tell them concerning the things that they should be doing or could be doing to help position their player to start considering some of these things that we've been talking about you know, in order to make a good transition? Well, some of the things that they should be advising their clients about, um, one of the first things is to tell them to start taking advantage of what's already out there. Um, You know, depending on the sport, the league, the union, you know, there could be opportunities to go back to school and to get it paid for. And they could be doing that during the off season. So they could be advising their client to do that. You know, they could also in their, you know, union have access to people who may help their client work on their resume or their cover letter or understand how they could interview for a job more effectively. Um, and so the, my, my key point here is first and foremost, tell them to utilize what's already out there. And then separately, they should be trying to position their client and encourage them to expand their network. Um, you know, if you look at somebody right now, like LeBron James, I mean, he is still playing, but he is involved in so many different things. And I understand not everybody's going to be a LeBron James. There are plenty of players. People just don't even know who their names are. But that doesn't mean that they can't cultivate relationships and that their agent uh, and their management team and the people around them can't be helping them develop a network that they can tap into now and utilize uh, 
to have uh, to have um, these types of connections that can lead to lasting careers. I mean, but I'm I'm not going to be giving an answer to this with rose-colored glasses on. You know, some of these things that their clients could be doing yield no financial benefit, no financial mm-hmm. reward for their agent. But I do mm-hmm. think that it looks really poorly on the brand of the sport. And, uh, you know, some of these management companies, these agents, right, that work especially in these larger companies, if they're not doing something to better position their clients. I mean, if, especially if they represent a group of them. They could be offering services as a value add to help differentiate them from other agents that are out there and other firms that are out there. Um, so they could be doing things now, but I, I you know, I'm not going to pretend like there may be, uh, you know, no immediate financial reward for doing that. It's not going to mm-hmm. mean that it's going to translate into a shoe deal or a commercial. But what it means is they won't necessarily have that person calling them five years later when they're down and out and uh and having to you know grapple with those stories and it's and sometimes those are big name people who have lost and squandered all of their money and it just it does not look good on the sport at all and it doesn't look good on the agents mm. and that's a real talk right there because i think you know for agents and and not to put all agents in in, in one group but you know the bottom line is they're looking to generate revenue, right? And they're looking to help their clients generate revenue, and that helps them. But as you said, some of these things may not be revenue generators that you're talking about, but certainly could have long-term benefits for their client um, and, and, and avoid some some bad situations down the road. Let me just say this, too. I mean, mm-hmm. but here's the other thing. It's a very competitive field. Right. When you're an agent and a lot of times you worry that somebody's going to poach your client and pick them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's also an industry where word of mouth has tremendous weight as well and people's reputations and their brand. And I don't mean the reputation and brand of the athlete. I'm talking about the agent and the, you know, and their firm. And if they do focus on you know, opportunities or an approach that better position their client in the long term after they retired, then there are invaluable uh, things that could potentially flow back to their organization when someone is asking, well, what was it like to work with agent so-and-so? And then they can, you know, say, not only do I feel like he or she negotiated something, you know, tremendous for me. I felt like they actually cared about who I was as an individual and not that I just was going cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching all day mm-hmm. long for them. So there are no the invaluables that will flow back if they focus on it. Right, right. I agree with that. Now, we, we've heard some sobering statistics and uh, from you today, and then we've also, you know, for those of us who pay attention to this type of stuff, have um, have read some others and some other, some of the other horror stories, so to speak. But what about positive outcomes and athletes and their representatives who have gone about this the right way? I would I would imagine that in your travels you have come across some success stories and been involved in some success stories. So, what do those look like, and what can we take from those uh, examples and and put into play? Well, you know, the good transition examples, um, 
you know, really touches on some of the things that I, I mentioned before. It's really taking advantage, you know, people who take advantage of the programs and the educational opportunities that are available to them through their union, through their league. Um, and recognizing that maybe they have a skills gap or an education gap or an exposure gap. And, you know, if there are pots of money out there that can help them, you know, bolster what's in their, you know, tool belt of what they can provide beyond being a successful athlete, um, then they should utilize them and leverage them. So it's, you know, using the, op the various opportunities, making connections and contacts, while they're in the game, you know, this is where I see the success, networking and not always expecting to be paid to show up or that there's going to be a speaking fee, not expecting that there's going to be some sort of a, a handout and knowing that they have to hunt and be hungry um, and and be proactive. Um, and, you know, one of the core important things is, you know, seeing people who don't live beyond their financial means, understanding and recognizing that the cash flow mo may slow may dry up and making sound financial decisions along the way and and learning to say no to people. You know, me, I, I love to negotiate. I'm a very effective negotiator. And one of the things that I do is I have counseled people in knowing how to not just be more influential in their own careers, whether they be an athlete or, you know, uh, an executive somewhere, um, but knowing how to say no to people, including people who are, you know, your friends and family and keeping those uh, um, relationships, you know, strong. So when I see those things, all of those things working together, that's when I see increased success. And also understanding that, um, you know, there's going to it's going to be a learning curve and not everything is going to be, uh, you know, rosy but that people also have transferable skills. I'll say this. So I mentioned at the beginning that I used to work for Citigroup. And when I worked for Citi, I oversaw all of their the city's diversity recruiting for its U.S. businesses. Um, so that was, you know, focused on attracting talent. Um, and I will say this, especially for like capital markets, sales and trading, those kinds of jobs, we loved athletes. And mm. And, you know, maybe not all of them, you know, had the quantitative skills. And if they didn't, then they weren't going to be a good fit for a job. But one of the things that, you know, people need to recognize is, okay, maybe people look at you and say, okay, you threw a ball around, but you also know how to work with a team. Mm -hmm. You also learned leadership skills. You also learned how to lose without being a loser and have to know the effective coping skills when you don't win every single time. And it's because of that, we liked people that were athletes because they knew that they weren't going to win every single day and that they still needed to be effective and successful in their job, knowing that. And then they had the temperament and the emotional fortitude to continue forth in that role. When we talk about all the things that we've discussed today, one of the things that it's starting to become clearer to me than even before uh, this conversation is there is a significant level of discipline that's needed here, right? This is not about an athlete going to a seminar and getting everything he or she needs, right? This is about coming up with a plan, well, working with experts like yourself, working with the union, 
but coming up with a strategy and a plan and then being disciplined throughout, you know, the career or over a number of years to really execute that. Am I reading that right? That there's a real discipline that's required here. I agree with you 100% that it requires discipline and the discipline that it took for people to be effective, baseball, basketball, you know, hockey, football players, whatever their sport may be, tennis, whatever it is, um, that they need to bring that same level of drive and discipline in thinking about what they're going to be doing for the long, long term in their life. And a lot of people think that retired professional athletes stay in sports that they may become coaches or maybe they'll be a commentator a commentator um or that they'll work for a league or a team and that's not the case um you know there's some other stats that I'll share with you uh that was from a LinkedIn study in 2017 that focused on post career uh post sports careers for um retired NFL players and 48% of them started their own business, worked in sales, or managed clients. You know, 17% of them move into uh, athletic-related professions. And then 5% of them transition into, like, TV or radio. 3% go into education. 2% may go into nonprofit sector. And then 23% are in other professions. But just, you know, off the top, you know, we're talking that the majority are not going into sports. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality. So with that reality means that, you know, that discipline that we were talking about needs to be uh, translated and brought forward with whatever career plan and transition they plan to have. Because they're not all going to become, you know, somebody like Derek Jeter who, uh, you know, has an ownership stake in a baseball sure. team. They're not all going to be Michael Strahan on television because Michael Strahan already has that seat and he's already filling right. that role, right. you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, they're, simple, and they're right? not all going to be, <laughs> right? you know, like there are only so many spots to go around and they're not all going to become the head coach at some, you know, division one uh, mm-hmm. school. Instead, they're going into other fields, other professions. And so they need to prepare for that. These are just statistics that that a lot of them don't know. Um, It's not readily available. And, you know, we're still talking about, you know, people who are very early and young in their careers. So there's a little pie in the sky, you know, Mm -hmm. rose colored glasses that they're wearing. Um, But my hope and goal with people is that that they get a dose of reality, not in a way that kicks them in the stomach and knocks them off any kind of pedestal, but in a way that lets them see that they need to have a plan in place and that the best time to do it is while they're still playing. Okay, if they're already retired, it's not like the world is over. They can still develop a plan. They can still take advantage of opportunities that are out there. They can work with people like me that advise and 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 give people uh, advice about their career and their strategy and, and help them better position themselves. Um, but the point is that they have to be proactive, um, and the earlier they start, the better. Sure. Well, uh, Fatima, this has been very helpful. I know we just really scratched the surface on the topic, but I think uh, you shared a lot of very helpful information. Um, And so I thank you for that. But 
If someone wanted to find out more or get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, there are a couple of ways they can do it, Jeff. Um, you know, first they can uh, go to my website. They can reach me through my website, which is, you know, www.theazaragroup.com. So that's T-H-E-A-Z-A-R-A-G-R-O-U-P.com, the Azara Group. Um, they can email me, info at the com, or they can call my company at 212-234-4550. The other thing that I'll say, though, some of these statistics, some of the things that I've talked about with career strategy, things that impact um, sports, they can go to my website and read some of the articles that I've written. Mm -hmm. I, I write on several different things. I write about sports and career transitions. I write about leadership. I write about negotiating. And I write about topics of diversity because, you know, I, I don't just have clients in sports. I also have clients that work at, you know, Fortune 500 uh, companies or that or are Fortune 500 companies. So I write um, articles that are helpful for a broad group, but they can find things with these statistics that I I mentioned and shared, and that also may give them some insight on some of the things if they're an athlete that they should be thinking about, or if they're just a professional who wants to be more effective at what they do. Again, that's um, theazaragroup.com. Okay. Well. Um... Fatima, I, I want to thank you again for taking some time this morning to to be with us today on Sports 360. And again, this is really helpful and very important information for athletes and their representatives. So thank you uh, for taking the time to share. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on your show. And for all the listeners out there, I wish you great success in your career and whatever you decide to do. Thank you very much, Fatima. Thank you. If you're a professional athlete, former pro athlete, or an agent for one, I urge you to act upon the information you just heard from Fatima Gilliam. Fatima is extremely knowledgeable and has extensive experience helping athletes develop and execute plans to move seamlessly and successfully into a life after sports. To get your hands on valuable resources or to reach Fatima to find out more, visit her website at theazaragroup.com. I'm heading on up out of here now, but as always, I thank you for stopping by and for taking time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast. It keeps us going. Speaking of going, Scully has the day off, man. So I'm going to have to find some other way home. <laughs> Listen to me. Sounding like Mr. Pitiful. You don't know that song. And I don't have time to explain. Because I gotta get an Uber. But I'll see you next time. Right here on Sports 360.